You're listening to the Battle of Ontario with Callum Fraser and Alec Brownscope. An array of topics were discussed at the annual NHL general managers meetings in Florida just a week ago. And while many of us were predicting drastic changes, the headlines were extremely underwhelming. The topics they are close to making decisions on, the newly integrated bye week, a tweak in coaches' ability to use a timeout after an icing, and, you know, we also got a deflated update on NHL uh, possibly going to Pyeongchang in 2018 for the Winter Olympics. We're going to talk about the things that seemingly weren't. We're going to make the decisions they couldn't agree on, and we're going to put forth our ideas on how you can improve a lot of elements in the game. This is the Battle of Ontario. You're listening on either iTunes, SoundCloud, Maple Leaf Hot Stove, or SB Nation's Silver 7. He's Alec Brownscomb. I'm Calum Fraser. And Alec, we have a new logo. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah? I mean, I, I was a bit biased towards the first one. Didn't I design the first one? No, I did. Well, it was my, horrible. It was my concept, your, your yeah. design. Wait, you came up with the buildings idea? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I went to Google Images and picked two of the worst... Uh, colored <laughs> pictures I could ever find, but I like the new one. Sophisticated yet simple. Uh, shout out to Matty Gosens on Twitter, the creative genius behind our brand new artwork. You can follow him at Jerv underscore rebrand, uh, an odd Twitter handle for a guy with a Matty Gosens on Twitter. Uh, Thanks, he does, Matty. yeah, Thank he does. He does all those player faces mashups that are oh so terrifying. Right. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, so very kind of him to help us out. But let's start with the rule that has probably caused the most conversation this year, uh, and that is the offside review. And you know what? Offside rule itself. It's a two-part thing right now. Uh, Let's start with just one right off the bat. Would you keep the offside review rule the exact same going into next year? Categorically, no. (laughs) I don't know. Is is there a defender out there of of the current system? Not that I know of. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's Mickey Mouse sort of to the point of embarrassment right now for the league. I mean why the refs are even just optically why the refs are reviewing things on what looks like an iPhone in the penalty box is absurd. Yeah. There are so many things we could talk about. Okay, let's let's touch on that for a second. I have no idea why cuz obviously all the goal reviews go to the war room in Toronto, correct? Right. Do yeah. they not have time for offside reviews? Like how it's it's so insanely stupid. Like can you imagine Stanley Cup final last season, okay, cuz you know, we can't really look into the future, but last season they bring out the iPad Mini. It's not even like a full. Have you it's noticed a tablet, that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a it's probably one of those Microsoft, like really small ones that, like, <laughs> oh, you know, the touch isn't even really good on this thing. It's not even. It's not even true, like an iPad. And they're like, I wonder, like, if they're the ones because I don't really see them touch the iPad that much. I wonder if they're putting it back or they're just watching people roll it back. I I just don't understand how that's so much better than what they have. Uh, on, in front of the, in front of them on the ice, and and like the the time lag is obviously embarrassment to me. The NHL has kind of always been in this situation where it's like, it's it's the sort of thing where you, you have to either really commit to it or scrap it. Like if you can either go the route of the NFL and say, time delays be damned. Yeah, we just want to make sure we're getting the highest accuracy calls we can possibly make. Or are they going to say we can't go down this road and completely disrupt the flow of the game? Because I don't think what's going on right now is working for anybody. Did you see, I think this was uh, late last season, but Torts had that quote where he was like, I think we should get rid of it and just let the refs make the call because if we spend two or three minutes and then a coach wastes his time out mm-hmm. and the refs still can't get the call right, why even have it? They're yeah, still well, g- I mean, you look at that Chicago and Minnesota game, right? 
yeah. that uh, it was blatantly like you had hockey analysts going, well, I could have made that decision in, in two minutes if you gave me that, that iPad yeah. and you guys still got it wrong. And it was probably the longest review of the entire season. And I, I'm torn because I, I want them to get the right call. But, and this is another point that you haven't made yet, but, and I, and I know, I, th- I think you agree with this, but if you enter the zone and then 40 seconds later, yeah, score. It, it has to directly like, be involved in the really? goal scoring play. Really? Right. And the other thing, too, is um, I, I think, I mean, I've seen Guy Boucher done, do this a ton in Ottawa where the goal, it, the, it won't even be close to offside. There wasn't a high stick on the play, but he'll just. Uh, he'll he'll challenge the play because he wants a longer timeout. Like, don't you think that is kind of bending the rules as well? Like, isn't well, that a bit? And, and and there's like the the timeout is just not that. Like, coaches can just throw shots in the if it's an important enough goal and you think it's even close. Why wouldn't you challenge it right now? Yeah, because it's not like the timeout in the in the in the NHL is really that make or break. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see, it, it's sort of the equivalent. Like you were saying, it has to be involved in a direct goal scoring play to be reviewable in my opinion that has it has to be you can't go back 30 seconds when there's been a cycle in the offensive zone you can't do that anymore because that that, that sort of reminds me like if if you were late in an nfl game and there was a touchdown play and you gave the coaches an option to go hey do you want to just throw a review (laughs) at it and we can look at the offensive line and we'll zoom in them on our tablets and we'll figure out if the offensive lineman might have budged early and we're going to call a false start and and reverse the play that's what it reminds me of we're going back so far and, and, like, we have the blue line cam now, which was spo- supposed to speed things up, right? It's supposed yeah. to make it a little more conclusive and easy, quicker process. But now we're just looking at whether or not the toe picks off the ice. And that's now the whole thing. Okay, right? so then, then, then let's get to the second part is, you know, and, and some people, I mean, it's, I think it's half and half because some people just completely scoff at this well, idea. Well, first of all, I, the, the okay. actual review, I agree, it has to start going. Oh, yeah, In we terms of fixing really, that, yeah. we, we have to, it has to go, to, if they're going to keep it, which... I, I don't think there's a real need for it. I think it was a total overreaction to a few exceptional errors well, that took it was, place. It, it was fun. It's funny because what uh, the one thing that I think triggered it was that series, the Tampa right, and Montreal yeah, series, the blatant outside. which is kind of ridiculous because we've seen so many of those happen really in the past ten or fifteen years in the NHL. But, but okay, so just if because Montreal's it, in a uh, uh, sorry, uh, are you going to keep it? I it, you know for me it's it, I don't know I, I think you either keep it fully and you go all in on it. You don't tweak it that much. You go all in on it, or you just say, you know what, screw it. We're so going to let the you start rest. sending it to the war room because exactly. you need to have a yeah. third party. I think Devin Dubnik said this too. We need to have a third party ruling on. And it, like, did you yeah. see that that situation the other because night? Because the refs with, are embarrassed with Vig, too. With, yeah, right? Elaine Vigno, where he totally. lost it on that. It was a goaltender interference review, not an offside review. But yeah. he, uh, what's his name, got clipped. Uh, it was Ranta got clipped in the mask, mm-hmm. and he lost it on the ref because the ref was looking at it himself. That's the other thing that refs yeah. can review, right? Yeah. Without going to Toronto. Oh, it totally, and it's totally biased. If 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 the ref's not making that call and he just goes, it's a third party, it's Toronto making it, the GM goes to the league later and makes a formal complaint. Yeah. You don't have this op, the optics of the, of Vigno losing it on the ref for not properly analyzing the play on his tablet in the mm-hmm. penalty box, which is just totally Mickey Mouse. And you, you heard, you saw, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Brian Elliott, Sidney Crosby basically high-sticked Brian Elliott I mean, on the glove or whatever. Um, and Elliot straight up said, I think he's going to get fined. I don't know if he has yet, but he straight up says, um, if that's not 87, then that review yeah, goes no, my way. Great. That was awesome. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's go to the second part of this question. My God, we've already spent enough time on this. Uh, would you change the offside rule itself at all? And, and my, my thinking is that I really like the idea of making it a 3D blue line that goes straight up into outer space, which means for some people who haven't you know been listening to Talk Radio the past Oh my God! Past entire year, every, this offside thing comes up every single week um, on every any station you listen to. Um, but that would mean that you no longer have to have your skate 
on the ice as long as it's in the air but on the blue line or across the blue line or where, wherever it needs then you're onside or offside yeah I think there is a legitimate concern there about injuries though which I think the GM's brought up in those meetings how, how that, so well if you can have any body part floating over the blue line mm-hmm. and it's good are you saying it has to be the foot or any oh, body no, part I, I, no a leg yeah, yeah fully, it, has to, be it has to be the leg even if it's a leg though I'm not sure you want to be actively convincing or encouraging players to be wildly kicking their feet up as they yeah. pass a blue as they pass the blue line, and you have these forwards applying back pressure to them right behind them, mm-hmm. and they start frantically kicking their leg up to <laughs> see if they can get just a little piece of the the blue like line. Like figure skating, that's extremely dangerous. Like if you start having yeah. guys kick their feet up in the air in with the north south traffic like that, yeah. guys trailing them, it's extremely dangerous play. I'm yeah. sure you saw that thing with Atkinson the other day. That was more in the corner where he got stomped on the shoulder with his. With a with a skate? No, I didn't. He see got a horrible cut on his shoulder, and it like you could see it puncture his jersey, and his equipment, because he got stomped right in the corner. But we've obviously we've seen the Z- the Zednik thing, the Malarchuk thing, yeah, and I course. see a ridiculous amount of close calls throughout a season where feet are oh flying God, yeah. in traffic Mark areas. Stone took one last I, year. I think that's a legitimate safety concern to start. Yeah. Well, if the NHL is not going to let you kick in a puck around the crease where the goalie has the most equipment and protective gear in the entire game. Uh, I don't see that happening. The other problem I have with that, with the 3D line going up to outer space, is what's going to happen when guys are tagging, right? What are you just going to do, like wave your skate blade over over the blue line? I guess so, Or, yeah. like, that's going to be, I think it, it gets actually harder for a ref uh, if, if, it, uh, if we don't say that you have to cross the blue line on the ice. Um, so I, I think, so I, I, we're in agreement on that one. So speaking of review, um, there have been a number of examples where goals have either been allowed or disallowed because the replay was not conclusive enough this year, uh, past year with Conor Conor McDavid, this year with Philly and Boston just last week, Um, and even, you know what, Ottawa this year as well. They had definitely had a case um, against the Buffalo Sabres this year. And, you know, obviously there's that famous one, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Calgary Flames goal in the the 04 Stanley Cup final. Uh, You know, we've seen it a bunch of times in the past. Would you want referees slash the war room uh, to be able to use logic when determining goals slash high sticks slash offsides um, and not just deem plays conclusive or inconclusive? I guess it's hard. What is logic like what's logical to me necessarily isn't to you. And it's like we don't have the biggest thing is we don't have all the same angles that they're looking at in Toronto from home. Right. And like even that that flames lightning call you just mentioned. It's why I'd say it's widely regarded as a as a blown like it was a goal that didn't get ruled a goal right. Everyone sees it that way pretty much. Like for, for yeah, well, except general, for Lightning fans. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> but like the, uh, the other twenty nine fan bases probably see it as yeah. like. A, well, to to me, it's not even conclusive from there because he, well, the we've got we've so got the bat yeah we've got the angle from behind the yeah. play and there's like that parallax effects where it's like you can see white ice but you're walking at it from the back. So, I mean. Even that goal, the the most, uh, do you remember the McDavid goal on Quick last yeah. year, where it was like in his glove? Yeah. Well, I'm sure you can logically deduce that it's probably over the goal line, but what part of the trapper is it in? Could you see white ice if the trapper wasn't there? I mean, I don't see how you solve any of these problems. Like you say, you just use logic. Well, I don't see how. You you can't remove subjectivity until you have puck tracking technology. Whenever that whenever that's actually okay. going to come in. Okay. Th- then my point is that. If you're looking at replay and you're saying the play is inconclusive, 
then immediately you're saying that a ref's view at some point in the entire rink, no matter how good or bad it was, is better than all the other camera angles you have to make a decision. You're taking his view and his opinion on the ice of what he saw with his eyes. Oh, I see. You mean is, so like is far better than than what you have at a bunch of different angles, a bunch of different um, high definition. Like look. It, so you're you're saying remove the okay. I agree with that. You remove the ref's original call being yes, completely. King, being king yes 100% in in, in uh, inconclusive situations yeah, then i call yeah. that i call that logic i'm not saying like okay i see what you mean i yeah. I, I see what you mean now okay. if you have enough evidence and i think that the nhl doesn't understand what enough evidence is because i've seen a lot of goals this year that say inconclusive just because you know a bit of the mesh on the the glove you know isn't really you can't see it but the entire glove is in the net it, i just i don't understand how and this is what you, I'm going to take back to the goal in Ottawa this year. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot scores with like two, uh, th three or four seconds left against Winnipeg. Actually, it was Winnipeg. Um, and the stick and the pad were across the ice with the puck. Now, I, I, if we have any Jets fans, they're going to say that it was goaltender interference. I'm not talking about that. That's up for discussion for another day. Um, but the puck... It was completely across the, the the line. The pad was across the line. The stick was across the line. That also, to me, doesn't really make uh, much of a difference because it has to do with the fact that the ref was nowhere to be seen. He was in the corner on a play with four seconds left on a jam play. Like, he had time to yeah, get to the I net. See. So why are you not taking the overhead, the angle from uh, the across the ice? Like, why are you not taking this and making your own decision? It doesn't make sense. Well, the, the refs sometimes don't rule. I've seen that too. I've seen the refs go, I have just do this to each other, put their hands yeah. up in the air and look at each other and go, did you see that? I didn't see that. And then yeah, they go so and then, review it. And it's, so maybe and they, they have just to need to do that more often. Though, because they all, there always has to be a baseline call, which they is do ridiculous. Have to make a call. Yeah. So ridiculous. The call on the ice was confirmed. The call on the ice was, uh, or, or it was, we couldn't, it was inconclusive when we looked at it. So the call on the ice, the one that I made 10 feet back, not even seeing the puck, like, and the one thing I really want to see the NHL, the, the one thing I think the NBA does this. I want, I really want to have referees be available to media afterwards. I don't understand. I think it's gonna. That's obviously a problem, a union problem, because they've never had to do that in the entire history of the NHL. Um, at least I think I'm not, you know, 60 or 50 years old, so I, I can't remember or don't know about that. But I would love to see them be held accountable because if the players are going to be held accountable for. Uh, a headshot, or if Dennis Weidman's going to be held accountable for hitting a ref or anything like that, then why are the refs not being held accountable for sometimes lazy refing and sometimes just outright horrible calls? So let's move on to uh, something that we could improve in the game in for scoring. So you always talk about how the NHL has seemingly only been able to increase scoring by power play, and you say short term, but by increasing power play time, by increasing... Um, the amount of opportunities you have on the power play and you know how the power play is structured as well so what would you do to five on four five on three in the nhl right now to increase scoring there's a bunch of different uh, options right now but let's start with uh the first one in that some people are saying it should be two minutes on the power play no matter what even if you score three goals i i've heard i've heard that and i've heard the icing um no icing rule on power play and i'm not it's kind of a cop out of the, of the question you asked but like i'm not I wouldn't actually change power play existing power play rules. I would change my biggest pet peeves right now, and you can weigh in on those power play thoughts if you think it's actually gonna is the way forward. My biggest pet peeves right now is 
not that we don't have straight two minutes of power play time or that you can't ice the puck on the power play. It's one, the point system, which these fantastic games you see grind to a halt in into like dump and change, dial back the forecheck, safe play mentality once we reach the final 10 minutes of the third period. And that's entirely point system related. That's There's no incentive whatsoever to go for it unless you're in like a all-important four-point game in the final game of the season. Did, did you just Kellyanne Conway my question? A, li- a little bit, but like I don't no, want to change the power play. I don't want to change the power play. I also want to like... So three-point wins, are, whether they're going to happen or not, I think they're long overdue. Oh my God, it's been long overdue so, for yeah. a long time. I mean, I, mean, I watch games that basically have the third period has no meeting at all exactly so that who knows how much that increases scoring if you actually have an incentive to go for and win the game okay then let's skip to so if you have and then i also have an idea how to actually improve like what i would do at five on five because that's where scoring is extremely slow one thing at a time okay so you don't want to change anything in the power play i I don't personally know i don't want to see the full two minutes but i do want to see no icing i think that um, that would actually increase if I mean if you're going to keep the delay of game rule in, that's going to actually give you more penalties and more power play opportunities because people are, guys are going to be chipping the puck off the glass. You know you're, you're going to miss one or two. It's also going to result in more odd man rushes because if you have to chip the puck out, the other team has a really good chance to reverse it and come back in if you're making a change. Um, so okay, then let's skip right away um, to your your three point system. And w- one thing I want to add on to that is. So in your opinion, then would we take away so th- three points for a win, no matter what, or would a shootout like what? Yeah. What do you what do you think? I do three there? two one. Three two one. So two points for a shootout, three in overtime still. No, or two th- points for overtime. It's two points to be an extra time win. Okay. And then one loser point, I guess. My when I look at the standings, and I I would just love to see um, one the shootout be taken away completely, and we'll get to that in a second. But I would love to see a wins and loss record like the NBA does, like the NFL does. Um, just because there's so many teams, like, I don't want to call it your Leafs, but if you guys and, do... And list, and list the standing by point percentage, too, which makes oh, yeah. a hell of oh. a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, especially with that bye week, right? Like, yeah. the Senators were two points up on Boston, but had five points, five games in hand, or, like, they yeah. were two points back, and Boston was still ahead of them. Just ridiculous. Um, but I would love to see the shootout taken away completely, because I think that... And oh my God, three on three overtime was just phenomenal. Twenty games into the into last season when it was first integrated, but it's I mean I haven't seen the Senators play an exciting three on three game. Oh my God, I mean they've been probably fifteen opportunities this year. I, I've probably seen one or two that actually you know excited me. I think that if you if it's completely wins or loss record, you're still going to have teams that you know don't want to really go for it in regulation, maybe rely on their skilled players, and three-on-three overtime would just be insane. The other thing I really would like them to... The reason why I'd love to see continuous overtime in three-on-three, they're professional athletes. They can get a day off afterwards. I get it on a back-to-back, but you've got guys like Eric Carlson that already take two-minute shifts on even strength. Like, what would you want to see? Would you want to see the shift well, stay? If we, if, we, if we prevent more... If we do both things, if we prevent games as many games from getting to extra time by incentivizing teams to go for it it's just gonna then we're gonna have less games maybe it's not as much of an issue that we have a boatload of extra time games and yeah. players feel like they're adding a significant load to their season yeah fair enough and you and I, I think yeah i'd like to see a more drastic change just because i love three on three overtime. My, my theory about like how to actually i'd like to see at five on five the league find a way to open up the neutral zone a little bit and 
it was interesting the other day listening to Mike Babcock talk and he said someone asked him like well, you know how you know, this this sort of the narrative is that the games tighten up down the stretch and all that stuff and he said and someone asked him like where do you see that the most and he said I think it's just entirely in the neutral zone so mm-hmm. like I'd love to see the league think of some ways to poke holes in sort of every NHL coach's desire to have these watertight sort of neutral zones. Right, right. And and there's the add the 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 width to the rink idea, like the international rink size oh, or whatever. I love that too. And I actually don't I don't love that because I think I don't want to do it drastically. I think if you if you do it like even like inches, like six inches on each side or or a foot. Yeah. You, I, you just have to be careful because I don't like the international like if you the the four checks over there are so much more conservative and okay. you don't get the same amount of offensive opportunity generated off of turnovers in the on the four check oh, yeah. because you have so much distance to cover and you're always arriving late. My and God, it, what would, what it's, would it's, guys... so that game is all just neutral zone transitional stuff and it, it sort of reduces the physicality element to the game, which I think is one of the best parts of hockey in the playoffs in particular, the playoff intensity. I think any all sports fans I like even casual hockey fans love NHL NHL playoffs or non hockey fans love the NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'd hate to sort of lose that, but I think if they can sort of open up and I, everyone says, "Oh, more more room, more speed, more skill, that's always better." Yeah. But uh I think you got to be kind of careful with that. And like I wonder if maybe I know I've seen this batted around kind of on the fringes of the conversation, but it's like some people think that the icing line if you move that back slightly. Okay, back? So forward to the blue line? Well, no, no, it's like either the defensive blue line or a line slightly back of where it is. So that, like, you could, you don't have to go so through. More bu- so behind the net. So you don't have to go through five guys between the red line and the, and, the, and the offensive blue line. So, like, if you move it closer to your own net so that you could actually dump the puck in from further. Are you and ta- you, sorry, and you're, ta- you're talking about the red line? Yeah, I'm talking about oh, the red line. I was line. thinking about the goal line, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, the, yeah. Red, the red line. Like if you because you said icing line. <laughs> somewhere halfway between where yeah. the red line and the blue line is now, and you let teams dump it in slightly yeah. sooner, I'm not, hopefully it wouldn't just be one big dump and chase race. I don't think it would. I think it would just force teams to come out of their, their shell yeah. a little bit in the, in the neutral zone. I don't know if you go all the way to the defensive blue line or if you go into a line in between. It's but so funny. Either way, if you can open up that neutral zone, mm-hmm. I think you don't have to do something that's a logistical nightmare, yeah. like trying to increase rink size across thirty arenas and all that type of thing. And you don't reduce the physical yeah. element of it, and you still have a, a, the intense sort of heavy four checks that you get. Mm-hmm. And so, so one thing, uh, it's funny when you bring up moving the red line. That's that's one of the things I had I had pondered, but I didn't think would ever happen because it's such a a concrete thing in hockey. Um, but it's funny because if you take away the red line and just say blue line to blue line, that's where your icing uh, yeah. stands. <laughs> that's beer league hockey. Literally, yeah, the rules yeah. I play in in beer league hockey yeah. and any, everyone basically across Canada in men's league hockey. Um, uh, what what the what's the ringette rule? It's like if there's a line above the. That's just to stretch the neutral zone out so that you can actually go. You no, can go, it's, there's it's a not, line above the circle, right? That you're allowed to go to. No, that's the ringette line, literally for ringette. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, but I was. It's like it's like a, a a fringe theory too about how to fix scoring oh. the NHL is to institute a ring ring head in the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> so the other thing um, that I, I, I so if you widened the rink, can you think of any arenas? Uh, definitely would yeah, not I be know. Brooklyn because there's, there's no there's no seating really there. But are there any rinks that would actually there'd be a problem with that? We're not looking you, at Maple Leaf you, you Gardens lose anymore. Your most valuable couple of 
Rose yeah. is I wonder if uh, how you know happy Eugene Melnick would be about that. You're taking away <laughs> fifty of my seats. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing we zoomed through all those because I think you just well you know what I'll you're like Guy Boucher after a press conference. They're gonna a- answer four of your questions that you only answered exactly. one. Save um, work. I want to get this is one of the things that pissed me off when they did it, and it's pissed me off for the last three or four years whenever they actually did this. The NHL's odd restructuring of the standings a few years ago, uh, where we now have two vi- two divisions and two wild cards in every conference, uh, that's resulted in some ridiculous playoff matchups. I mean, the Pittsburgh and Washington series definitely should not have happened last when year. it happened yeah, last the, year. The, the, uh, the Lightning's path to the Eastern Conference final last year versus yeah. the oh my god the yeah. Pittsburgh or Washington if they had won would have been like they went through Detroit right who was. Detroit was awful. The, yeah. Clearly, yeah. the worst playoff team. Yeah. And then they played the Islanders. Yeah, because yeah, the Islanders beat uh, Islanders, the Islanders, and then Panthers, and then yeah. they lost. The, I mean, they get they they pushed Pen- Pittsburgh to seven. In fairness, I'm not yeah. saying they didn't deserve to be there, but they're but, a more well rested. Come team, on, right? yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. So there's a lot of problems I have with this. Uh, one of the biggest ones, because it has just so much effect on the postseason, is the fact that it it you know the matchups are are just ridiculous. I, I get it. So here's what I would do. So the NHL wanted to increase rivalries, right? That's what that's basically what they wanted to do. Yeah, I, I'll and forgive. Tr- I'll forgive all the horrible playoff implications if we ever if, get a- if we get a Habs Leafs <laughs> series for the first time since '79 <laughs> out of this. Yeah, I, the one thing that I just don't understand though is because, and, th- and this is so like we see, and so NBC has this thing called Rivalry Night, right? And it's so hilarious because the last two years it's been like they don't have enough rivalries, so they have. I think last week was like Columbus and the Islanders. Or like, and then there was, and then there was Carolina and the Islanders. Just like horrible, absolutely horrible games to have a nationally broadcasted game. Um, when that happened, when we moved the divisions, the Senators and Leafs went from playing like seven games a year to playing what they play four. four. It's either four or five. Four or five this year. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. I remember when they used to play eight times a year. Like, why don't we have? Why did you take that? So, so what you're saying is that. And I get it. Playoffs and postseason. It's, it's entirely geared towards divisional exactly. rivalries in the playoffs. It's yes. not. It's not the regular season. But that's no. that's why would you not want it geared? To, I, I I hate playing Western teams twice. You play them once, and you get all, and you play your division even more. Than I kind of like what's division. happening this weekend, which should happen more often. I think, but the Sens have a back to back against the against Habs. the Habs. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. excited for that. Um, I, I just don't understand why we can't play. Why, why teams like Florida Panthers and Lightning can't play eight times a year? Why can't the Sens and Leafs play eight times a year? Why can't Chicago and St. Louis play eight times a year? Wouldn't you want that? Like, that is such a money... Like, why would the NHL not want to grab that? I, I don't understand. And, and and we'll reduce travel, and then we can do longer three-on-three. Three. Too. <laughs> we can why do longer three-on-three three yeah, seasons. <laughs> why did the Winnipeg Jets move over to the Western Conference? Why did the Detroit Red Wings move over to the Eastern Conference? Well, you know, it was a really bad travel schedule. Detroit was tired all the time. Winnipeg was tired all the time. <laughs> There was it was costing the team so much money. Like why? It's just they they take the things that seemingly seem more difficult and they say okay let's do that instead of doing the things that are so much easier. And I don't understand. And this is my my overall point for this the standings move and and the matchups things. If you get one rivalry, that, I mean, so say we get Boston on Ottawa and then miraculously Toronto make. I think it's miraculous if they make the playoffs at this point. Like the Islanders are winning, Tampa Bay is yeah. on an absolute roll. Toronto is not looking good. Um, if the the Leafs make the playoffs, okay, you get them versus Washington, you get Ottawa versus Boston, you get Montreal. Ottawa might actually win the division. <laughs> oh, do they want to? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And then you get oh, uh, this is even worse than Ottawa, which 
if they cooled off on winning and finished second, they might not be worse off. That said, Boston's really surging, so I don't know if Rangers I, I think and Lundqvist yeah, is yeah. now hurt and sort of in question. I, I think okay. he'll be back. But anyway, like the worst case, the wor- the worst case of it is the, the the person with the biggest complaint is whoever finishes second or third in in the Metro, yeah. and then the Islander, sorry, the Rangers mm-hmm. get the far better. Me- Would you rather be the Rangers playing the Habs of a one as a one seed, or <laughs> Pittsburgh playing? Or Columbus playing Pittsburgh, yeah, and no, fourth exactly. in the division. Fourth in the division is by far, yeah, by all, far. If the you're preferred. John Tortorella, you're like you're thinking of resting Sergei Bobrovsky for the ne- for the like the next twenty games or how many or however many games we have left in the season. But my my point was that like if you're looking at this matchups this this season for the postseason, the most likely ones, you might not even get a rivalry in the Atlantic, and you might only get one rivalry in Pittsburgh and Washington. Um, if if Columbus moves up or if we have that in the second round, but it's just it's ridiculous because if you if you round up all the rivalry games you can have in the regular season, and I get it, playoffs mean so much more. They're a big they're a bigger money cash cow, whatever you want to call it. But there's so much more to be found in the regular season when you have 82 games and when you could have a, a total of uh, 16 games between the Habs and, and, and all and this. Sins. We keep we keep. These 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 conversations are circular because they all of these interconference games totally encourage three point games. Too. Oh, totally! Because <laughs> there's no there's, yeah, there's, n- there's nothing in the world that could. There's come. no sense of standings yeah. competition there whatsoever. So it's like, uh, who are the Leafs playing? That was a pretty it was a pretty damn good game back and forth, and then we hit the last ten minutes, and it was just like, all right, yeah. everyone, <laughs> we both need our point here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Every- it might have been LA. It might have been LA. <laughs> yeah, don't no one do anything crazy. We both need our points here. Yeah, LA was trying to catch um uh Edmonton or whatever. Or, yeah, Calgary, St. Louis. Yeah, Toronto's <laughs> it's just so funny. So then okay, we've wrapped up the rule changes there. I think we had enough um where, you know, we actually could improve this game. So let's let's move to the Leafs and Sens. We're gonna wrap this up. Um you know, we're at the thirty minute mark right now. Let's wrap this up. We'll do a, f- a few minutes on Leafs and Sens. First the Leafs. Do they have enough left, and are there chances likely enough to make the playoffs this season? I I think they're just there's too many teams, as you said, playing too good around them right now for me to say yeah. I mean, if Anderson has because it's it boils down to a couple key games here, like a couple games against the Lightning, game against I think they might have one against the Bruins, but they have two left against the Lightning for sure. And if Anderson just steals a game, or Ant- Matthews comes to life mm-hmm. again, scores a hat trick, then the Leafs are in pretty good position. So, like, the margins are so thin that, like, anything could happen. A couple bounces in a game now could yeah. could be the difference. But Lightning and the Bruins are playing so well. And, like, teams get blown out. I get that. But the way the Leafs got blown out in Against Florida, Florida yeah. was discouraging, to say the least. I mean, I like that they have four lines now with Brian Boyle added. Uh, their fourth line's night and day different. But God, he's large. It's Yeah, <laughs> him and Martin, it's like two trees. I love whenever the, you bring up Babcock. He's like, what do you like about Brian Boyle? He's 6'8 every night. 6'7 every night. He says that about goalies too, right? Yeah. What do you like about Curtis McElhaney? He's like 6'4 every single night. <laughs> yeah. You see how consistent his yeah. height is? Yeah. <laughs> Never changed. <laughs> the... <laughs> The the biggest thing is the Leafs blue line is just melting down. Like if you go and look at the plus minus, I, it's plus minus. I get that, but yeah, sometimes plus minus should, you know, mean something to you Man, a little bit. And I'm, it's like I'm telling you, I don't. I don't you hate look at plus it right minus now, as, as much as the other. You guy. look at it right it. now, and it's like four or five Avalanche players, Braden Shen <laughs> randomly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, I guess he's like yeah, he's like his brother in his, his own zone. But and then, the then um, 
Riley and Zaitsev are right there. Yeah. And the Leafs are technically in control of their own destiny as a playoff team right now. They win their game in hand. Yep. So what does that tell you about the state of the Leafs' blue line? I mean, and almost all, like, almost all of those minuses have piled up since middle of January. So like, this blue line is... I don't want to fault Riley and Zaitsev individually. I think they're both really good pieces. I, it's They're out of their depth through no fault of their own, but unless Connor Carrick comes back and suddenly fixes what ails this team on the blue line mm-hmm. they're going nowhere fast with that defense okay group. then let's let's finish on this then because if they do get in they're not passing ottawa it's i mean gonna be mathematically impossible very soon and, and they're before we move on to that the, the biggest game is is thursday because of the least bounce back from a, probably their worst loss of the season in their biggest game of the season yeah suddenly it's it's so different but yeah. either they find a way to bounce back from that from their worst loss of the year and the most important game of the year or they're probably done yeah. So okay. So but but thinking is, I, I don't think they're gonna pass Boston just because Boston's playing so well. I mean, you're basically looking at the eighth seed no matter what if you get into the playoffs. I mean, what what are your thoughts going into facing Washington or Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's just, I mean, I I get it. Like no matter what you want to make the playoffs, yeah. but that's just, oh boy, that's just such a drag. I guess it's an experience, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, the what, kids. what was it like experience scoring two goals in four games, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I love William Nylander's quote when someone asked him uh, about the playoffs the other week. He was just like, um, I don't know, I'll tell you when it, when it happens. Like, I don't know, I haven't been in the playoffs yet. Yeah, I haven't it happens. Um, so yeah. let's finish on this. So uh, this the Ottawa Senators, uh, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They're, I mean, yeah. even even Dom LeCision or whatever whatever you want to call his last name, uh, even his charts who have hated the Senators, uh, and I like them, don't worry. I'm Dom, I'm not calling you or anything. But Possession, even, possessions even his, that, right? yeah, even his... Um, uh, likelihood of, of postseason uh, for the entire year has Although had the Senators. Be, be warned. I recall tw- this time, almost this day, I think, 2014, mm-hmm. we were <laughs> at Game 70. The the Leafs were the sort of the, the team that was at Senators. the center of the advanced stats debate at that oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> everyone conceded that, okay, guys, they're going to make it. No, but they didn't have a big – they didn't have that, that lead That was game Ottawa 70. Had. That was game 70. Yeah, but and they, then, they did not have a nine-point lead. <laughs> I, I Come know, on. I know. That's true. But they they were – I think they were 11th in the league at game 70, and they ended up with the seventh overall pick or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Or eighth, I guess, with Willie. So, yeah. okay. just saying hey, – hey, you're, really? you're probably okay. right. So, yeah, you're probably so if, uh, ineffective math. Michael Blake Bacardi, I'm pretty sure has the, has them at 98.5 today. I'm also I'm also just gonna right. say the Leafs at that game 70. Jonathan Bernier got hurt and oh my god, I'm Alex, not, stop, I'm not gonna stop. draw the parallel with I'm Craig editing Anderson. this out <laughs> I'm so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's 98% for across the board. Hey, sports club stats, okay? I know you love your sports club stats. They have them at 98% uh, as well. The sense, I think, I think they're going to make the playoffs, okay? I, I thought yeah, that okay, five yeah, games yeah. ago, they're going to make the playoffs. So, asking you, when Mark Stone gets healthy, when Craig Anderson gets healthy, and when this forward core is completely healthy, can they win a round and can they win two rounds? We'll see how that, the the matchup shake up first of all definitely means everything. So, but I actually I, but I on, think I think they could, they're fully capable of beating the Rangers, the Bruins, the Habs, the Islanders. Yep, and the Leafs. Okay, I hope we just agree they're not going to make it. <laughs> um, I don't. In the know, conference it's funny finals, you don't want to play when Tampa. Would the, when would they actually if like if if the send oh, the division. Be, it would be the final. It would be the Eastern Conference yeah, final. Yeah. yeah, It's funny because so we'll see if you're Washington, you don't want to play the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Good God, do they ever look good? 
yeah. oh my. Um, I, I really think it's, it's funny because when we were talking, when Ottawa was like two points behind Montreal and way ahead of Boston and way ahead of the Leafs and way ahead of anyone really eighth seed, ninth seed, 20 games ago, we had this discussion and we, and we talked about Leafs versus Sens and I thought the Leafs actually might beat them. And I thought, you know, the Sens were very much a playoff dark horse and maybe they could win around, but it, it, they're not making two. They're, um, they're not well fitted, but you know. Alex Burroughs comes in, Victor Stahlberg comes in, Eric Carlson starts playing out of his absolute freaking mind. Yeah. Mark Stone starts playing like his season, the second season half he's having. Kyle Turris is back healthy. This team is actually pretty good. I like the way that uh, Bob McKenzie put it. Did you hear Money LeBron? I don't know if it was a Leafs game or another game. He said um, there's this something something about the Sens have that something yeah. something factor where it's like, well, they did improve. Uh, tangibly, they improved their depth scoring, which was their biggest probably the yeah. biggest thing they needed to do. I think, by the way, just and to touch on that, I think Victor, St- Victor Stahlberg is a better addition than Alex Burroughs. Well, yeah, I would 100% agree, but I somewhat Like, overall, him. like, offensively and yeah, yeah. Um, and overall, you know, yeah. f- third line, fourth but line, But beyond the depth scoring, it's like, I think what Bob was referring to is like, there's just this, they have this clear identity that's been bought into and the system that's been bought into. They've, yeah. they've been a consistent team pretty much start to finish. I mean, there's, been really no significant losing streak in the in the sense season they no, and that's the thing that yeah consi- not consistently winning like four or five straight but not consistently losing yeah and it's like they've they seem to be they seem to have this resilience to them too where mm-hmm. it's like they can they can lose key players they can but wh- as long as they're within yeah. the confines of the system and the structure that boucher has in place they're going to be fine regardless of who's hurt who's in net mm-hmm. so it's like they've beaten a lot of good teams regardless of their possession stats they they beat good teams so it's like they just have that that something something like bob said that Mm -hmm. it feels like they could yeah they could win they could win around it too yeah i think if you take the first six weeks out of the season their possession stats immediately look a hell of a lot better and i think if you understand that corsi uh is not a good scale for this team just because they're actually blocking a lot of shots. Eric Carlson leads the freaking league in block shots. Which is and, a, and that's a their ridiculous. Mentality. There's no precedent for that, I don't think, in, in yeah. I don't know, 50 years to lead the... To well, and scoring, right? Like to, yeah, No, you, com- you combine like yeah. a... Uh, well, he's going to be finished second, I guess, in defense scoring. We'll yeah. see in points. How close is it in points with Burns? Oh, I think it's like seven points. He can't... He can't, yeah, you can't catch him, but like Especially second in defense scoring with like a 70-point-plus season and, and first in block shots. I don't. Yeah. I doubt there's a historical precedent for that. It's maybe a... a well, I, Friedman actually Hatcher, had that. Did Hatcher, you see that? Hatcher did it. In uh, 93, Friedman said? I think Friedman was looking at the past 20 or, tw- or 30 years, and the guy, the the most points was, I think, like 30 or something like that. If you lead the league in block shots. I, like I thought Hatcher kind of, was it Darian Hatcher that he mentioned was like near the top of the league, but uh, in both points, and he had like a 70 plus point But he didn't lead he, this league in block shots, yeah, right? He yeah, he didn't lead, the, but he had a lot. Yeah, it's just but, incredible. Um, which was 93, I think. Yeah, so let's wrap up on that. Um, how was your drive in this morning? Quite snowy in Ottawa. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. Okay? Coming from Myrtle Beach a week ago, too. Yeah. Into this. Oh, yeah. How was your vacation, by the way? Well, it was... I, it's a great place. Like, I, I was just yearning over being back there, and then it's like... I feel like people have it better figured out. Like, th- there's a better way to do this than waking up in the middle of March and <laughs> this type of snow, <laughs> but, like, I shouldn't really say that. It's, like, right in the heart, heart of Trump country, and you... Like, I drove by two anti evolution billboards and it was like oh boy. you listen to an hour of talk radio down there and you're pretty happy that you have a canadian citizenship oh man so speaking of the snow um i, I didn't tell you this when i when we came in because i wanted you to uh uh you know to have a a regular reaction on air um so guess who got a rude awakening at three thirty-three a.m last night to 
help shovel the driveway so my girlfriend could get in the driveway. <laughs> Where's she going at 3.30 a.m.? Well, uh, no, she was at the hospital. Her, Where was uh, your girlfriend her, her at 3.30 <laughs> Yeah, okay. Her family was welcoming a new baby born. Oh, congratulations. Uh, a newborn baby. Congratulations to Carly. This is family. Can't pronounce her last name. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, I, I woke up at 3.30 uh, a.m., went out, shoveled for 20 minutes, and uh, went back to sleep. So I know you had to write last night, and I know you had to Uber in this morning, but um, uh, we both had, you know, we, had, we both had long nights, and uh, I'm glad we got this done. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Who knows when we'll be back, but I can guarantee you that we will return. You can find us on iTunes and follow us on, the ba- on, on Twitter at the Battle of ONT. He's been Alec Brownscombe. I've been Callum Fraser, and you've been listening to the Battle of Ontario. We'll see you soon.